live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. Here we are again, three and out, your favorite fantasy football podcast coming at you one more week. We're going into week eight and I am so happy to have yet another special guest this week, folks. It's none other than Fire Marshal Phil. Fire Marshal Phil, good to have you on the show. Good to be here. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Um, all right, so you know the you know the concept here in the format. Uh, three and out, we each get three ideas to talk about. It can be directly related to fantasy football, loosely related, as long as it's tethered in some way, shape, or form to fantasy football. As always, the guest host goes first. So with that, you are up, my friend. Only three, huh? We well, can hey, sit here all night and talk about fantasy football. We, cer- we sure can. If you want to go more than three, I'm ready. But three is usually all people can stop. No, no, I narrowed it down. But you know what? I, I hope I don't repeat any of your, your famous guests. But uh, number one on my list was I think the National Football League needs to owe, owe its access to America's obsession with gambling. Okay. Because <laughs> – I'm thinking. I'm. I'm thinking back. You know, in preparing for this over the last couple of days, I'm thinking back, and I was thinking about when I was a kid in high school. Hell, it might have even been middle school. Yep. Do you remember that 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 shady kid that used to walk around the hallways with the little parlay sheet? Oh, fuck and you yeah. have to like you have to pick the games, and it was always secretive, right? You know, five bucks, pick the games. Even back then, everybody was obsessed, but it was like prohibition. You know, yes. nobody was allowed to do it. I mean, you look you look around America, and you've got you go to the grocery store. There's a hundred different lotto options. You know, we're obsessed with gambling. Yeah. So, like, when I graduated college, I just I, I my first introduction to fantasy football was in 1993, and it was my first job out of college. And you know, it was like fantasy football. Yeah, I'm in. What is it? And there was no such thing as like computer scoring yeah it was usa today on a tuesday because the usa today had the most comprehensive stats yep and you're sitting there with a pencil and paper and you're just scribbling and you know i think that fantasy football is the was the launching pad for what made the nfl as successful as it is today considering it really wasn't America's number one sport back in the day. That, that is so true. You know, but, but, you know, what other sport has the fantasy interest than football? It's, the other sports are just way too difficult. I mean, I, I can't stay up with baseball and basketball doing it multiple times a week. I mean, hell, we have jobs. That's but, right. You know, I think that football lends itself to this, and boy, it, I think it's paid off in dividends. Well, let me tell you something, Fire Marshal Phil. You just knocked it out of the park. I, I love this first take, and there's so many things to talk about. So first of all, I've tried to be in a hockey league and a baseball league, and it's impossible, like you said, to keep up. It's more than a full-time job. The reason why anybody can do fantasy football is that it's once a week. If you don't want to draft, you can do auto-draft. It's almost brainless if you want to make it that way, or you can put all you got into it and be in multiple leagues. So 100% on that. In terms of gambling, you know, 
like kind of taking the sport uh, NFL and propulsing it into the the mainstream. I'm not sure if that's a word or not, but I just made it a word. But you're so right. And if you think sounded, about it, it sounded dirty, actually. So <laughs> well, be careful. Well, well, I will be careful. If you think about European sports, all right. So if you watch soccer for the last like 30 or 40 years, they've had actual betting sites as sponsors. Sports betting propels every sport, but you're exactly right that fantasy football in particular has done a world of good for the NFL. I used to take a class in high school called Sports Lit with a guy named Cal Scarponi, and he wanted us to learn one thing. He's like, if you don't learn anything else in my class, I want you to walk away with this. All sports is the same thing. It's money ball. It all comes down to money. And, he, Absolutely. And, and when I was 18, I was just like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But then years later, it kind of dawned on me. And he, and our textbook for that class was every Friday, Boston Globe would have a, a section called, I think it was called Sports Plus. They don't do it anymore because the internet killed all the good newspapers out there. But it was such in-depth reporting and you couldn't get it anyplace else. And uh, I am very glad. Now, one more note on the fantasy football parlays, the kid, the sketchy kid walking around the halls. <laughs> All right. So there was actually, I used to love those football cards. They were great. You could do like, oh, me too. You could pick 10 games. And if you went like nine out of 10, you'd win. Or you had to get like, and it was college or, or pro. That's right. College and pro. I had the spread and everything. So there's a place in Portsmouth. And I'm not going to say what the name of it is because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But it's still open right now, and it was open in the mid-'80s. And back then, in the mid-'80s, if you knew the right people, while you were going in to get your whatever it is they sell, you could also say, I want to get a card, too. And they would literally sell you a football card right then. I think they were 5 bucks a piece or 10 bucks a piece. I forget how much they were. They weren't much. And I don't think I ever won. I might have won one time, and I played them for, like, you know, 10 years and when I was a real young kid, my dad would let me, you know, I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but I used to pick and I would always say, how did I do? Oh, you lost. You always laugh. Oh, you lost, son. We all lose. Nobody wins. It's, um, it's amazing how good Vegas odds makers are. I it? mean, they're like, they're within like two points, you know, 80% of the time. It's amazing how good they are. I mean, it just makes it very, very difficult to, to, to win. And so I'm sure you've seen Casino, one of the best, you know, uh, odds makers of all time. True Story was in, you know, the kind of the centerpiece of, of that story, the Robert De Niro character. And I always think about that guy and say, okay, what kind of connections? Is it just game scripting? Do you know people inside the training room that know, okay, this guy, he had a tough night last night, or this guy, you know, he's been looking like shit in practice. He's been drinking too much. Like, the level of insider information that you have to have to really get on top of the of that spread is something that you know mere mortals will will never get close to. But yeah, uh, but you're right; well, it's always even, brought on. Yeah, and but even at a micro level, the how you manage your league, I think, is really important with re, with respect to money. So, like, I've been commissioner of two leagues, one for 19 years. And Damn. one for 15 years. And, you know, we we try and make it so that it's just not the guy winning the Super Bowl that gets the money. Because you, you don't want the, the teams that are four and six to just give up late in the year. So, right. you know, we give, we give out money, obviously, for the 
Super Bowl winner and the runner-up. But, like, ad drops are not free, nor should they be. It kind of drives me crazy when, it, you know, leagues where you can make ad drops free. We charge two bucks for an ad, two bucks for a drop, and five bucks for a trade. Hmm. And at the end of the year, that goes into the kitty so that, what you know, the Super Bowl winner, for example, you know, $100 buy-in plus the transaction cost, the Super Bowl winner gets 100 bucks plus 70% of the transactions. He ends up making out better when there's a lot of action going on. Or, you know, if you're the type of guy that is constantly working the waiver wire, you know, and others are not because they drafted really well, right. there's a consequence to that. You know, so, you know, we also split up money for, you know, top three in the points total. If you win the division, you get you get a little bit of money. If you ha- if you win the high score of the week, you get 20 bucks. So at the end of the year, it always works out that if you were in the Super Bowl, you're in the top two money-wise, mm-hmm. but it keeps people interested throughout the course of the year. And, and um, it's kind of funny because Two years ago, I I decided because I was bored one afternoon. I went back and I started tallying, like, okay, who's who's been in the league? How many seasons were in the league? How many times did they reach the Super Bowl? How many times did they win? And what's their average winnings per year? And it was it was astounding how you had like the top four or five guys that were always in the action, right? Yep. And they're always winning. And then you had these, the bottom, you know, you had three in the middle and you had a couple at the bottom. So one, the first year I sent it out, I sent it out and I'm like, oh shit, I don't know if I want to send this out because I had two guys that were down, (laughs) they were down like 1,200 bucks, right? Over the first, you know, 10 years. And right away, one guy says, you know what? I don't think I want to play this too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he immediately dropped out, but it was, it's, it's, interesting just to see like you know i got one guy in one league 15 years yeah he's been in the super bowl seven times and he's won four times i mean that that percentage is is fantastic he's, and he's always the guy that does the most transactions throughout the year he's a pro player he's a pro player and he gets his return on investment from all of his transaction costs I mean, you got to have yeah. every league has to have a Detroit Lions, right? You got to have that team that's just perennially terrible. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just had uh, a, a dear friend of mine for 30, 40 years, and he's been playing for about 20, 25 years. And he said the exact same thing. He's been in a league with the same guys for the last 20 years. And there's one guy who, <laughs> who always comes in dead last. And he's like, haven't you figured out anything about this yet? Like, why are you always last? And they haven't, it's a keeper league now, but it hasn't always been. So he's had opportunities to, you know, reshape his team. And, and, and I, look, I got to chalk that up to some people just don't care as much about it as other people. And people are just in the league for the camaraderie in the league to be yeah. with their friends. And they don't really, some of them don't even really care that much about football, um, but they're just doing it to be part of the group. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It makes it easier for the people who like that guy want to, you know, compete every year. I hear you. Yeah. I absolutely hear you. So speaking of, so here's my first one. Uh, it sounds like you've been not only involved for a long time, 19 years uh, plus, but you've been a commissioner 
uh, in at least one league for 19 years. So you've seen a lot of different variations of, you know, how things work. Um, I'm interested to know, and if you don't have any, then that's fine, but have there been any unique uh, punishments for people? So obviously I heard how you, you know, cut up the winnings. You've got, you know, most points. You've got, you're, you're charging people in like a free parking monopoly situation for the different transactions that that goes into a pool. I love that. But what about for the person that scores the least amount of points, that poor guy that never wins? Is there any kind of punitive action for people that either don't set a lineup, that forget to put in a player when they're on a buy, or anything else that would be deemed as, you know, a yellow card infraction? Are you putting any kind of punishment in place for them? Have you ever seen that? I haven't done it. And luckily, haven't really had the need to do it. Yep. Um, I mean, I have one, my one league where, you know, it's been 19 years of my old neighbors. I mean, we've had some turnover, but, you know, it's a 10-team league, non-PPR because I hate PPR. So it's a 10-team league, you know, and there's only been – there's been seven guys that are no longer in it, right? So over 19 years, there's been some turnover, but – really hasn't been a ton and everybody's very is is very active so it really hasn't been that need other than to ridicule the guy that sucks all the time well, you know but i did have another go ahead you still there uh-oh uh-oh folks we have a slight technical difficulty i don't know what happened um <laughs> there are you there I'm here. Fire Marshal Phil, you disappeared for a moment. Did you? Is everything okay? I'm sorry. That's all right. Uh, I'm sorry. I think I must have fell into the hole. <laughs> I'm out. It happens to everybody once in a while. You're back live. So uh, go ahead. You, you said, in a, you know, aside from just ridiculing the people that suck, which, by the way, that that can be punishment enough. You were about to say one more thing, and then you cut out. I did. I did have another league where it was a work league, and as people came and went from work, they would drop out of the league. Mm -hmm. So then we started to recruit like family members and whatnot. And, you know, we did have to put some punishment to some questionable trades, things like that. And we ended up booting guys from the league, but, you know, in terms of uh, non-performance or just not putting a lineup in now, we haven't really, you know, put any punitive damages on that. Yeah, no, and and look at this at this point in our lives, I, we we used to do things like that in the league that I'm in. We haven't done it in a while, and it used to be more about it was less about you know if somebody was the bottom person in the league, and more about like an individual matchup. Like if you were playing one of your good friends, you'd make a bet, and you know I, I'm going to name off two that stick out. One is somebody lost, and they had to dress up in full mime gear. So I'm talking like white face, rosy, you know, uh, clown cheeks, a nose, a beret, the whole get up and have a little uh, show in downtown Portsmouth in Market Square and basically mime anything that was being told to him to mime out. So if someone paid him $5 to mime out, you know, uh, killing a cat, anything stupid, he would have to do it. That was pretty bad. Uh, and then there was something involving a Hickory Farms sausage and having to eat a full one before the draft. <laughs> that was gross. 
um, and some people made it grosser than it really needed to be. Um, and then a few other things. But then, you know, that was, I would say, more like 10, 12 years ago. I think as we kind of get closer to, quote unquote, you know, a mature age. We've maturity. Kind of, maturity, yeah. but we're not, I mean, I, listen, don't get me wrong. We're not there yet. But we're as we get closer to it, a lot of that stuff has fallen off. For better or for worse, we we haven't done it in a long time. But I I, have, I hear stories about people that you know they've got to do something stupid. Like uh, someone had to go to an IHOP and stay there for twenty four hours, and for every waffle that you ate, you could cut an hour off the time. So you do the math there real quick. No one wants to stay anywhere for twenty four hours, especially not IHOP. And no, and especially with the size of their. You know, pancakes are pretty freaking big. They're pretty fucking so, big, right? So you you have one, yeah. and that cuts an hour. Okay, well, how many can you have? Can you have six? Maybe, but then you're still there for 18 hours. So I, I just wanted to get a perspective from a different league, you know, if that was being used, and, and I feel better about the fact that we're not doing anything now. No, I, I think that you're basically telling me my league is my leagues are boring. <laughs> and that we, that, then we need to spice it up a little bit. Hey, there's always I'm, time. I mean, we do have, we do have a couple good names, you know, but really no good consequences for, for, for losing. But I hear you talk about names all the time. Oh yeah. You know, you know, my, my name, name, well, my team names, I mean, I'm in three leagues this year, which I I swore never to do more than two because I just, it it blows my mind on Sundays. I, I used to have three TVs. They're back in the, Back in the it direct blows TV my days. mind. I love that. It blows my I could, mind. I could not days. tell you. I could not tell you the roster of any one of my teams, but I know who all my players are. Yep. It's, it's like a sea of dudes, you know. And I, they score, and I cheer, but I don't know which team I'm cheering for. So you know, it's it's mind blowing. But you know, I got my two my two non PPR leagues, and then I got a third. That I just joined because it's uh, for a new job, and I wanted to be have the banter at work. There you go. And of course, it's on a different platform. It's a PPR with like crazy scoring. You know, you get a point if you get a first down. You get bonus points for over ten yard catch, and bonus points for ton, for um, hundred yards. And Jeez. I don't know. You jump on your left foot twist around to get bonus points. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't even keep track. I just noticed that I've got receivers getting 40, 50 points a game. So it makes it very, very difficult to, um, to pick the right guy because the scoring system is so obscure. Right. But, you know, you know, some, some team names in my team, my team names have stayed pretty constant and it gets confusing when guys change their team name every year. Totally. And yeah, because now I'm like, okay, who is that? Well, whose team is that? Who is Big Chubby Rogers of the Robinsons? That's an actual. That's an actual team name for this year, and this guy changes his team name every year depending on who he's got. Yeah, you know, you, you got Javaris, Jamar, Javaris, and Lamar. I see. You know, and you got, he's going to social distance because he watches a lot of news. So, you know, <laughs> they're. They're fun names. I just can never remember who the hell the owner is. Yeah. Because the name changes all the time. I prefer the the static, the names that don't change. Or at least, you know, not every year. Like every six, seven, eight years you want to do a franchise name change for whatever reason. I get that. Burn to the ground, start over. But every year. So what's your team name? 
Well, I used to be a big fan of the man show. Sure. And, you know, it relates to my name a little bit. So I got Ziggy Zoggy, Ziggy Zoggy. That's yep. my team name. Now, what version of the man show? Because there's been several. Oh, this is the old Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla yeah, version. The best one. That was the best one. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know there was anything else. So after, I, I forget who left first, um, but but Joe Rogan and um, Stanhope, Doug Stanhope, they did a version of it. And then I think there might have even been a version that was Corolla and somebody else. There's been a few. I mean, the concept was always the same, right? Girls on trampolines, blah, 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 that whole well, thing. Well, that, that is my team logo, is a girl jumping on a trampoline. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Not that. Not at all. And she's, do, and she's doing a split, just like they used to do on the show. Yep. I was there, rolling credits at the end, like the Benny Hill. It was great. Uh, you never uh, turned it off, did you? Until the credits were over. Nope. Nope. Never did. No, absolutely. Good point. I like this. I like this. All right. Uh, Fire Marshal Phil, you are up with your second take. So I'm sure a lot of people talk, have been talking about draft philosophy. And, you know, there's everybody's got their opinion, you know go quick on running backs or, you know, go on the position where depending on who scores the most points Mm -hmm. or fill out your roster and double back or whatever. And when I'm asked, you know, how do you draft it? My answer is the same as it is when my friend Andrea asked me, do you put the toilet paper over or under? And the answer is it depends. And she looked at me all funny. I'm like, well, it depends. I mean, when you pull the toilet paper, do you fold it? Which way do you fold it? You fold it over or you fold it under your hand because you want the texture of the toilet paper to be pointing out, right? Yeah. You, you need friction. So, yep. so it really depends. And what I mean by that from a fantasy football perspective is I I do things a little different. Okay. You know, I – I will look at the scoring um, rules of the league and then I'll go to some trusted websites of projections of guys that, you know, you respect. Sure. And I just, I look at the projections and they give you the fantasy totals, but that not doesn't necessarily align with your scoring in your league. You know, like I just mentioned my work league with the crazy scoring, right. You know, that nobody has that scoring. So I go go ahead and I I calculate based on projections of maybe one or two websites what the what the totals are going to be, and then I normalize it. And that's this is the this is the important part for what I try to do is I try and normalize it. Okay. And what that means is if you have like a standard roster, where you got quarterback, you two running backs, two receivers, a flex. So. If you have everybody in a 10-team league has one quarterback, that means there's 10 starting quarterbacks a week. week. So I take everybody's total, and I subtract it from the number 10 quarterback, and that's their value. So Mahomes, for example, would have been number one this year, and he might be a plus 50. But the number two guy could be a plus 32, and the next guy could be a top – a plus 30 and then you can have everybody else kind of drop so you can see tiers of how valuable that guy is versus the number 10 guy because there's only 10 quarterbacks started every week and then you can get an idea because it's not to me it's not important what the total points are for the season everybody has to start a quarterback 
So as long as my quarterback is better than your quarterback, then I'm going to win. And then you do the same thing with running backs, right? If I have two running backs and a flex, Mm -hmm. that means there's on average going to be like 30 running backs started every week and maybe 30 receivers every week. So you do the same thing and you normalize it and you'll see when you sort it that you'll have that top tier guy which you, you generally know. You know that Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams are going to be your top, but you don't know by how much. Right. So once you start getting into like the middle rounds, like third to sixth rounds, you'll start seeing, okay, do I really need another running back or do I want to start filling in my receivers? Well, if this, if this running back here is a plus 20 and I don't have a receiver yet, but he's only the next best guy is a plus eight, I'm going to go for the plus 20 because I still can flex him and he's going to get me more points overall. So I've been doing that for a while and it seems successful. Um, Obviously everything revolves around these so-called experts and how well they project, you know, this year I, I got bit pretty hard because, you know, what, when you look at tight ends, people tend to think tight ends aren't valuable, but, for years, I've been the guy that drafts a tight end in the second round. Yep. Um, because why not? If Kelsey's going to get, you know, 80 more points than the next guy over the course of the year, he's then, so much more valuable than a running back. You always win that slot. Right. But this year, you know, I ended up with Kittle in two leagues. And I just dropped him. I just actually dropped him on the waiver because I'm convinced that even when he comes back, he's going to get hurt. Again. He he's either going to get hurt again, or he just doesn't have the quarterback play that's going to get him success. So yeah, yeah. he's no better than Dawson Knox or Dalton Schultz or any of these other guys. So oh, I'd rather have one know. of them this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So first of all, I, I that is a unique draft strategy. I've never heard anything exactly like that. I really like it. And the whole time that you're explaining it to me, all I could think about was, and this is a true story, I'm sure you've heard of it, there was a a blackjack card counting team from MIT. They made a movie out of it called 21. There was a book written by Ben Misrich. And it's almost like you figured out a way to take blackjack card counting and convert it to fantasy football draft strategy. And I fucking love it. Um, I'm not sure if I totally understand all of it, but I'm going to listen to this again, figure it out, and uh, I'm going to mess around with the draft that we just had and see how that all played out and if if everybody – because everyone's got their own way of doing things, right? Like you said, some yep. people go early running back. Some people go running back zero. You know, it, you know, CMC, overall number one pick. You had to pick him number one, but he's right. played, what, a game and a half? So there's, there's no rhyme or reason to the X factor when it comes into play, but I really do – that's a very unique way to do things. I like it. It's so funny you use the uh, the blackjack analogy. I used to I used to live ten minutes from Foxwoods when they opened it up. Oh, scary! And yeah, so you know you go out drinking when you're in your twenties, and you know, and then hey, let's go to the casino. And by the time you get there, the tables are twenty five dollar tables, mm-hmm. and you, you know you, you don't have the money, but you know how to play this game, and you know, you're good at math. So I used to go there and I used to try and count cards, you know, <laughs> the best that I could. Like, so if a, if a face card would come out, I'd 
I would subtract one. And if a two through six came out, then I would um, add one. Yeah. And then once you get into the positives, you know, then you start betting big. But then I used this other philosophy that if you if you lose the hand, you double the next hand. And, it, and if you and if you lose, well, think about it. So if, yeah, if you no, lose eventually, again, eventually you're you, going to win, right? Right. Eventually, you when you win, roll. yeah, you you win everything back you just lost plus the original bet. That's right. Well, that that only works if you don't lose six times in a row. Well, it, it works. Actually, it can work if you lose six times in a row as long as you've got the bankroll for it, right? If no, you, no. Why? Because you max out the table. Oh, because you so, get to – okay, so you're talking about a table with a limit. Most tables have some sort of limit, right? So yeah. if it's a $25 table or, or – the, actually, it's a $5 table, it's a $300 limit. So you go, you know, 5, 10, 20, 40, 80, 160, and then you hit the limit. Then you're fucked. So – Right. Well, yep. there was the one night, of course, that <laughs> I just kept going and my knees were shaking and I hit the freaking limit. And, you know, that's when you bust out. So, yeah, I, there's a little bit of craziness in my brain when it comes to the numbers and the math, which I've now translated into fantasy football. I love it. I love it. That's great. That's a first. That's a first, folks. Fire Marshall Phil using card counting strategy to draft his players. And we are here for it. Okay, number two for me. But before I get to number two, just a really quick, you mentioned your work league and they've got scoring for fucking wearing the right colored uniforms, all that shit. There is a person I know who's been, a couple of people actually, who've been in this league and it's a scoring only league, touchdowns only. So there's no kickers, there's no defense, and you draft offensive skill players and if you don't score a touchdown and you get six points for a touchdown and that's it. There's no other scoring. You only get points if there's a touchdown. So the scores are really low, um, and it changes. You know, PPR doesn't matter. You know, so if you've got a slot guy that's constantly getting, you know, 15, you know, targets a game and 9, 10 receptions, it doesn't make a difference unless he's getting in the end zone. I kind of like the other, like a con- like somewhere between those two. I think just touchdown only is boring, but whatever. All right, so on to the next one. We are in the middle of last week was a tough one by weeks, right? So last week, I think there were six teams out this week. It's two teams out a little bit easier to manage, but you know, with six teams being out and there were six good teams, you know, the, the chargers were out Two of my best players meant they were out of commission, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler, you know, and there's different people that have different ways of dealing with it. I've got a guy in my league right now who intentionally, you know, he couldn't do it with all his players, obviously, but he intentionally drafted his skill players as much as he could to be in the same by weeks. So he had, I think, last week, I want to say he had five or six guys that were on buys, and he knew he was going to lose. He just automatically said, look, I'm going to chalk it up as a loss. I'm going to get past it. And instead of having to deal with it over the course of, you know, three, four, five weeks so that every single week I've got to have another one of my players that are out. I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. I'm going to have all my guys or most of my guys, you know, gone that one week. I know I'm going to lose. It's okay. I might even get lucky and throw a couple people in there and win. But the other way to do it is just to forget about the bye week as long as you don't really fuck up and, and have your backup have the same bye. But if you don't really think about the bye and just kind of manage it with the waiver wire as you go, those are really the two basic ways to deal with it. So I wanted to see from you, like what, if at all, you know, what kind of, you know, variable do you put into your mix of drafting 
in relation to bye weeks Do you care about it? Do you not care about it? If you do care about it, how are you looking at it? And what do you think about the strategy of kind of, you know, loading everybody into the same week? I, well, I mean, I just kind of shared my ancient Chinese secret of how I draft. Well, right? right. So, so I know back in the day, I remember you, I used to write the bye week next to everybody so that I didn't have two guys bye week, but I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah, I, it's by the time week seven comes or week eight comes so much is blown up into in your roster. It doesn't really matter half the time. Totally. I mean, last week, you know, I had Josh Allen and Diggs and Dawson Knox and Deontay Johnson. I had all these guys out and I still won. So, I mean, that, that just things happen and you, you get the right pickups and you know, it, it works out. If, if you try and tailor your roster when you're drafting based on bye weeks, you're probably losing an opportunity to draft the right guy because you're drafting based on position need and, and it doesn't really matter, especially when you have flex positions. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I didn't, I, I mean, I just, I wanted to make sure that if I had a ba- I didn't draft a backup QB, but when I get one off the waivers, you know, obviously you don't want to have it be the same one, but I don't draft backups. I, I, you know, I had one tight end, I had one quarterback, uh, and then I had just running backs and wide receivers galore. I don't. I typically, shit. yeah, I typically only have one tight end, one kicker, one defense on my roster at any time. Oh yeah, I never have a backup. You know, and there are some times where, you know, I, like defenses especially, I just add drop depending on matchups. I stream because, it every week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you're paying for add drops, consequence of doing that, which is why I like making people pay, yeah. um, you know, but I'm with you. Yeah. I, I don't really care about the, the bye weeks. I think it's, it's overrated and you never know. You might pick up a guy that goes off. Well, that's it. And, and you need to, and you need to have a bench, you know, you need to be managing your bench all along to make sure that it's ready. Absolutely. All right, my friend, uh, we are on your number three take. Uh, what do you have for us? Well, I mean, we talked about the draft philosophy. You did. You know, I made it sound like I was an expert, but my draft sucked this year. You know, so I, it's so funny because I, I looked and I started off the season one and five. In my three leagues, after week two, I was one and five. This year? But I'm, this year. Ouch. I started off after week two, one and five. So now I'm 11 and 10 okay. overall. I'm coming on strong because, you know, it's about the head drop proficiency, you know, the, in, in understanding and watching the waiver. You know, our the guy that's probably had the best success in in my my neighborhood league, he's in the know because he works for a professional football team. So he's in the know. <laughs> And it, and it, you know, he tends to manage the waiver wire really good. And, you know, historically, he's, he's the top breadwinner. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think that he's just bored because he just wants to trade all the time for, like, next year's sixth-round pick for this guy, you know? Right. Because it's a, it's a keeper league. What, I hear you talk about keepers a lot. I don't know if anybody does it the way we do it. Um we keep three guys every year, but they have to have been drafted in the sixth round or later. You can't keep anybody that was drafted in the first 
five uh, rounds. That's interesting. Okay, so <clears throat> first, is, first five rounds, you cannot keep that player. Anybody after that or on waivers or anything, you can keep the next year. Right. So, oh. like, I, I, just, I just dropped Kittle. He was drafted early, but if somebody else picks him up, they can keep him. I gotcha. But, you know, so very early on, I picked up LaDainian Thompson when he was a rookie. Yeah. You know, in like the eighth or tenth round. Stud, you know? Yeah. And it's, it, I think it's more interesting because you don't want the stars being tied to somebody. And you're only, we're only allowing you to keep your guy for two years. So after, after they've been kept twice, they're no longer eligible. So it really keeps you on your toes and you, it actually motivates you to trade. Okay, wait a second. Um, so you can only keep a player two. So let's say I draft somebody round six. They go off. I keep them. I keep them. I have to let them go. Yes. After you've ah. kept them twice, they're no longer eligible. Interesting. So like this year, I had four guys that I was toying with keeping. I had Justin Jefferson, uh, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, and uh, uh, Josh Allen. So I was like, okay, who do I – obviously, I'm, I'm going to keep Allen because I had him as my number two quarterback yep. on, on the board. That's and awesome. My, and Jefferson, Justin Jefferson was obviously a number – he was the best of the receivers, but I started throwing some trade ideas out there. And I had one guy that offered me a second-round pick for Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. So I'm like, done. It's totally do done. it. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm like, this, I'm getting a second-round pick, and I still got two other guys that I can keep. So it 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 really um it's really worked out well for as many years, but you know in terms of working the waiver wire, yeah I I don't think that I intentionally do it, but when you get your ass kicked on week one, you know is it a sign of a really tough year, or is it a blessing? Yeah, I I tend to think it's a blessing. Well, because being yeah, being number one waiver after week one is one of the most important things that you can get. Hmm. Well, think about it. So, like week everybody one, I drafts. Agree. Week one, I agree. Yeah, because it's all you know. It's always that surprise player that that nobody thought of during the draft that emerged week one or two, and that if you're not getting that waiver priority, then you lose out on that guy. Yeah. Unfortunately this year it didn't really happen. You know, I had, I drafted Mostert, you know? So, you know, Elijah Mitchell is not, not the stud that some of these other guys have worked out to be, but you know, if you're able to get that, that, that surprise that nobody picked up in the draft that emerged after week one, because you start slow, it's important, which is, you know, I guess that's one of the reasons why I went from one one and five to now eleven and ten over my over my three teams is yeah. because I've had some pretty good pickups. Yeah, well, getting pushed into a corner makes you pay attention. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, this is. You know, you got you got a plan to you get to get punched, right? So, I love that, and I, I've heard a lot of different variations of how people do keeper and everything else. And, and there's another variation I've heard where you can keep any three players. But if you do keep those three players, you those are your first three picks. And if you don't want to keep any, you can pick one, two, three in the draft. So basically, if you were you know, mm. the, the fourth pick 
and you had three keepers, you just wouldn't pick the first three rounds. But I, I, I like yours because it's kind of like a hybrid of all those models. Like you need to always put the best players back in or the quote unquote best players, the one that were drafted as high, you know, highest. So that way everyone gets a chance at them, but it also allows you to kind of draft somebody who might be good in a year or two, keep them like you had a situation where you could trade them. And then once you do have a keeper, you then know there's a shelf life here and you could trade that player to somebody else for something else, a draft pick, whatever. And then they can keep them for two years. I, I think that's really cool. Um, and it's, actually yeah, and, a, you know, go ahead. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of people do where, you know, if you, if you keep three guys, you lose the draft pick for the round that you picked them in. Yep. So if you pick the guy seventh round, you, you don't pick in the seventh round, which is okay. But the nice thing about what we're doing is, is during the draft, when the sixth round hits, you get certain guys that they go for the flyer, right? right? Because they know they can be a potential keeper, which could work out, but more often than not, it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Like going for the rookie a little bit too early. You know, Jerry Judy, for example. Yep. You know, sixth or seventh round pick, probably a little too high. You know, will he be good? Who knows? You know, and we may never cheer, and we're going to get the next guy. Is he going to keep him? <laughs> not knowing if he's going to flourish or not. So, you know, when we do the after sixth round, it makes it really interesting on draft day with some of the decisions that are made. Yeah, I love that. And all that calculus kind of leads to my next and final point, which is a perfect segue. So it doesn't matter if it's a fantasy football league, if it's a fraternity, if it's the Lions Club, it doesn't matter if it's uh, a high school club, a university club, any organization where people are getting together and having fun in any way, and fun can be defined by any measure of what people find fun, right? You got to have somebody pulling it all together, keeping shit organized. You got to have a commissioner, right? In in terms of fantasy football, there's got to be a commissioner. And when I think about the commissioner role, especially when you're talking about, okay, two years, you can't keep this person anymore and this, that, and all kinds of different logic patterns, and you got to track it all. And it, there are tools now that help you. And if you're good with Excel, it's super easy. But I always wonder, like, because we, I'm the league that I'm in, we've had, I think, uh, two commissioners. We've been, it's been a league for 20 years. And the guy who's a commissioner now, who's been a commissioner, I think, for 18 or 19 of them, just like you. And I, I often think, and this is ultimately going to be a question to you, someone who is a commissioner, um, are the people that end up being the commissioner of a league, are they the commissioner because they are the most organized and efficient? Are they the commissioner because they were the first people to do it? They did it successfully and everyone's like, good, you got it. Or are they people that need to be in control and need to be the person that's running the show? Um, or is it something else? And maybe the best way to answer when I'm asking you is, why have you been a commissioner for 19 years? You know, I, I think that originally it, it was just, I was the guy that, you know, would be the ringleader. I was the yeah. guy that would organize poker every month, you know? Let's go. Let's get everybody together because if I don't do it, nobody sure. else is going to do it. Right. So I think it was, you, you tend to have the Julie McCoy, you know, person that, you know, is the cruise director. 
right? But yeah. that, that doesn't it doesn't always mean that's the right person. I think that you definitely have to be organized. You have to you have to be able to you know uh, lead and you know put together the 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 financial part of it right. and 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 to communicate. Not everybody is is strong at that. I mean, I could tell you that I was a terrible commissioner like like a few years ago. I mean, I uh, things things with work changed. I started running my own business. You know, fantasy football was like secondary, and I I was just so stressed and overwhelmed. I went the entire season, and I did not realize there was one guy in my league did not change his lineup the entire year. <laughs> I mean, it turned out that at the end of the year, I reached out to him to pay. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I haven't even, I, I was on auto draft. I didn't play the whole year. And I went back and I like, I'm like, holy shit. He's right. He never even changed his lineup. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I guess to answer your question, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a good commissioner is somebody who's actually have the time to do the job and yeah, wants to yeah. do the job. I guess it starts with that. Yeah, you're right, though. In terms of, I, I like the analogy of, like, you know, there is – everyone wants to play poker, but nobody wants to be the guy that, that you know, kind of texts and calls and says, let's go, let's get it together. Um, but then when they do do that, it always ends up working out great and everyone's psyched. And it's the same thing with fantasy football. Without a commissioner, there is no league. Everyone wants to play, and yet no one really – wants to be commissioner but there always is that one person in every league that ends up being at the other league I was in for a long time I was in two leagues for I don't know 15 years and it was just too much and the other one has the same situation one guy's been doing it forever he always does it everybody digs it he digs it it just works out that way but um yeah but with with life though just with life Mm -hmm. you need to know when to ask for help right that is true and you know and I got one guy that's essentially the co-commissioner yeah, you know, the guy that works for the professional football team, yep. you know, he's got plenty of time. He sits behind his desk, does a bunch of research on players. I mean, he doesn't really work that hard. So he's like a scout. So, no, no, he's a little, a little bit higher than that. Gotcha. But, uh, but you know, he, he saw that I just, I just wasn't communicating as often as I could. So he, he offered help, and I said, by all means, please do. Who's gonna say so, no? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, there's just, there's no ego involved. There you go. It's just, hey, we got the ball rolling, but hey, help me out, I love please. It. So, if you could see the studio audience right now, Fire Marshal Phil, you would be so impressed. They are on their feet. They are cheering. They're doing the wave. They've got big, huge flags with that picture of Jim Carrey's burnt face on it. I mean, they are really impressed with your knowledge of fantasy football and the way that you answered all my stupid questions. And I can't thank you enough for being on the show. What's your record in the, in the, in the league that matters the most to you right now? Because you're in a couple different leagues. But the league that matters the most, what's your record right now in that one league? You know, I, I would probably say it's the, it's the league I started with my old neighbors. Yep. Um, and that league, yeah, I'm, I'm four and three. Okay. But that's, a, you know, the best record's five and two. I was going to say, very, yeah. Yeah, there's, there are, out of the 10 teams, there are seven of them are four and three or five and two. So it's, it's a very tight, it, it always is that way because the guys have been playing for such a long time. They're good. There's a lot of parity. Yeah. They're good. 
Well, I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. Folks, give it up one more time for Fire Marshal Phil. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Take care. Have a great night. See ya.